Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 31 of season four. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and on Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast on, uh, at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on Instagram now. So, Action, uh, obviously a, a feverish weekend with the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Um, you know, obviously you were home, right? You didn't have any other yeah. trip. You traveling for so long, and now you're home. <laughs> no trips last week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had one planned to New Orleans, but I had to cancel it. We can talk about that later. Yeah, well, uh, uh, <laughs> our buddy, mentioned that rainmaker Zach Subaru is going to be down there this weekend. So, um, yeah, I was. I just kind of took it easy too. I didn't. I wasn't out too much. Got to watch a lot of basketball. Catch him on the Wegs pool, which I'm going to finish like third to last action. So Ouch. it's been a red letter year in the pool, but. I did do very well in the betting this weekend, though. I, you know, I was on the right side pretty much across the board, except for maybe that Villanova-Houston matchup, uh, which we can talk about on the weekend. So, you know, I was happy about that to come back and keep rolling. But yeah, it was uh, it was good to relax. I mean, I did go to the Four Shadows and watch the Elite Eight games, Elite Eight games on Saturday, and got a little, you know, just 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 a test run, test an inebriation run for. The final four party, which you know you're invited to, but I know you won't be in town. But if you were, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I It's been so long since I've been out and watched college basketball in a Midwest setting. Yeah. So uh, we just stayed home and watched them here and had a little road trip on Saturday morning to pick up the boat. Oh, that's nice. Bring it back down to Detroit Metro for the season, although it was snowing on us on the way home down the highway, so it didn't feel right. <laughs> Yeah, we got some of that snow too, but um, hey, the boat is in play. The boat That's is right. ready. The weather will catch up to the boat. Um, well, let's let's jump into it. Action. Obviously, we've got the NCAA hoops. Uh, there's only you know three games left in the season, and for us, you know, we only got this this week and next week for taping, and you know, we'll we'll kind of go on hiatus and enjoy our our boat time or beach time, whoever whoever we're talking about here. So let's review uh, your action index, and I mean, I did look at Ken Palm, so I'm kind of under, up to date. But you've got you've got the teams rated out here. Yeah, pretty tight at the top. Um, Kansas is the highest rated team that I have left, rated six out of all the teams, and about a point and a half better than Duke. And uh, Duke comes in, then Villanova and North Carolina is about four point two behind Duke, or I mean Kansas rather. So. Pretty tight bunch there between these four. It should be a good final four. Yeah, I mean, all teams are in the top 16 of Ken Palm, which is interesting that it keeps going once the teams are done, but that happens. And, you know, all teams are, are you know, been playing good basketball. I think these are probably the teams that were playing the best. I mean, we'll argue about Houston in a minute, I guess. But, um, you know, ultimately, these are the most balanced teams, I suppose, of the four teams, you know, that, that played last weekend. So, um you know, Kansas certainly comes in and, and for Kempom too, and, and really, like you said, they're the, they're the class of the bunch, but we'll see if they actually can get it done uh, when it comes to the weekend. 
Um, in reviewing the results from last week, I mean, we kind of up and down week. I mean, I know we were against each other a lot, so yeah. I felt like it came out on top a little bit there. But, um, you know, Arkansas did knock off the Zags. This is old news, but that was a huge game for Musselman and the gang and, and Musselman's wife, which we have to mention, which when she came out at the bar on Saturday, there was a big shout out from from this guy. Um, yeah. Did the crowd <laughs> go wild or just Wags go wild? Well, I mean, the crowd one went wild, and everybody's like, what are you screaming about? I'm like, hey, there she is. You know, she's she's up there. They haven't been showing her as much this season. So, um, But, you know, obviously we know what happened later. We, You know, you're on the Michigan side. Villanova ended up covering the number. That was a tighter game than the, the results. I mean, Villanova is such a good free-throw shooting team. They extended out in the end, so that wasn't so good. But um, Texas Tech, probably on the right side there, action. I um, mean, it was a close spread to start. And then ultimately, when you look at it, Duke came through in the second half that shooting that 71 percent in the second half. Really, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm really high on them. This team is doing great against really good defenses. Yeah. And I think that Duke, I read, made eight of their last eight shots coming down to crunch time. So that was really the difference in the game. They won it in the last five minutes. They did. They did. Um, obviously, this one, we were both kind of not so great, but. Arizona didn't come through. Houston manhandled that team. Um, ben Matherin, who I thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread the week before, looked terrible. Uh, he was shut down completely. And the Wildcats, I mean, they just couldn't get it done. And, I mean, I loved seeing the way Houston played that game. Did not like how they played on uh, Saturday. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting game. And Arizona's got a lot to learn in terms of next year for recruiting. Got to get a couple tough guys on the team. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, uh Kirk Chris uh, tried to play, but he was awful. I think he made one shot through two games. Yeah. He was... So him being out there was really a hindrance to the Wildcats. Right. Uh, I don't know how much you want to, you know, dwell on this, but you obviously know what happened to your Boilers, and St. Peter's became the first 15 seed to make the Elite Eight, which congratulations to them. But uh, any thoughts, I'll, I'll just leave it for you. Yeah, I think uh, it really got a question to coaching. Um they had the same game plan all season long, just to pound it inside with post touches. And clearly that wasn't working early on because St. Peter's had a double team or organized double team on those guys. And uh, ED had five turnovers, I think, and, and Ivy ended the game with six. So um, they had to make adjustments and they didn't do it. And it was pretty clear to me that between Coach Painter and ED, there was a difference of opinion a little bit there in the second <laughs> half. The body language wasn't good and... Uh, Ultimately, that led to their demise. Yeah, and Williams was pretty good uh, for them. He did make free throws, but St. Peter's just, you know, played their game, which it was weird. I, I really thought at some point Purdue would be able to flip the switch, but they just couldn't do it. I do think Painter, look, he's a good recruiter. He's a solid coach, but he can't coach in game at yeah. all. You right. can see that. Still, we would talk about. It. I still don't know why they don't play those two guys at the same time. Just, I mean. St. Peter's guys, tallest guys like six seven, you know, whatever. But um, Kansas obviously came out on top against Providence. Um, you know, they didn't cover the number, but they looked pretty good in this game. And um, you know, I guess we I should have talked about the next games. But and shout then out, I, I, that, shout out there to Al Durham, former IU player who was playing for the cover towards the end, going for two straight layups at the end just to keep that inside the number. Right. Yeah, definitely. I thought one of the better games of this round was this North Carolina-UCLA game, really well-played game. Both teams played great. The big difference was, you know, the Bruins don't shoot threes or didn't make threes. 
And North Carolina did. I mean, our guy Caleb Love was just lighting it up. I should say Mahar's guy uh, in the player pool because uh, that dude was just – and the first half he was bad. Um, but he just turned on in the second half, and that dude can really light it up when he when he gets going. The play of the game there, they were down three, I think a minute and a half left in that air ball. I think it was his air ball. Baycott mm-hmm. made an amazing save to throw it back out to half court, and then Love buried the second bite at the apple, tie the game, and then he made the next one on the next possession to go up three. If it wasn't for that save by Baycott, I think that UCLA was going to win that game. Yeah, it was definitely down to that situation. I do think, if I'm not mistaken, Love had 27 second-half points in that game. So he he turned it up. But you're right. I mean, yesterday it was right there. They played really well. You, you kind of had the handicap right in terms of McCronin and stuff. But in the end, um, couldn't get that one done. And then Miami, this was kind of like the – I couldn't believe this. I mean, it's just how they do the brackets and how they do the regions. But the Miami-Iowa State game, kind of the who cares game. But – Miami covered easily in that one, um, but, you know, I guess we can go right into the Elite Eight matchups. They turned around, and they played great for a half against Kansas, and then Kansas just, they opened again a whoop-ass on them in the second half, and it's kind of what I expected to happen. You know, when I was at the bar on Saturday. I was talking to Kardish. I think you know Kardish, one of Ridgeway's buddies, and, um, you know, he's always trying to find, you know, what the books need. He's usually a contrarian better, so to speak, and, uh, yeah, I was pretty much on the favorites all weekend when Houston didn't cover. Uh, you know, obviously I got the cover with, you know, later in the night with Duke and stuff. But, but man, this one, I'm telling, I was like, Kansas is going to beat them. They're going to beat their ass, you know, because they're too big for them. In the first half, didn't look like it. <laughs> then they finally started catching fire, and their their defense tightened up. They were stopping the penetration and and making people shoot outside, and, and Miami couldn't get the big hits. Yep. I think uh, really the story of the weekend was the under run in mm-hmm. 12 games between Thursday and Sunday. First half unders went 11 and one, and similarly on the full game unders also 11 and one on the weekend. So it was just an incredible toward pace. I think I bet every one of them. So it was a solid weekend from that perspective. Good for you. One of the things Curtis said that he heard somewhere was that a lot of these NBA arenas, like they played in this weekend, they have tighter rooms. And I never really thought about it that way, but it was pretty apparent in some of the games, notably in in Houston, who both teams shot abysmal. I mean, it was an abysmal shooting performance. Both of them were under 30 percent. I mean, Houston couldn't hit a three to save their life. One for 20 in the game. That's why they lost the game. I think they were actually the better team. They just couldn't make a shot. Um, but they just, you know, you can't get those comfortable roles or whatever they get at home or even in most college arenas in Besides Duke, I mean, it seemed like nobody really shot the ball well this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Come across on. the board. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, Duke rolled against Arkansas. We kind of mentioned mentioned that. That was, you know, sad. Uh, and then, you know, UCLA – I'm sorry, uh, St. Peter's just finally got – they ran into the ran into the wall. We knew it was going to happen. North Carolina wasn't going to play games with them. I really give them credit for that. Um, and ultimately, you know – I do think that was the better way to go. I, I, I mean, it's not that I don't want to see St. Peter's in the Final Four, it's, it, of course, at some point, but as good as a team they are, did they have anybody special? No. You know, did they have anything special? No. They played good basketball, but I think at this level, especially this year, surviving this crazy tournament, you have to have something that's special for your team. Okay, well, let's go into the matchups, and this is at the, as you noted, the Caesars Superdome in, in New Orleans. It's not just the Superdome. I, that's, you know... 
you know, that's one of our favorite places to go sometimes, uh, Caesars. But um, you said it last hosted 2012 uh, when Kentucky cut down the net. So it's been a minute. It's been 20, 10 years now yeah. since they hosted. It seems like they always used to host. But, um, you know, this is obviously a huge matchup, and you've got two big ones. It's all – call it blue bloods, call it new bloods, whatever you want to say. But notice the new blood, but they certainly have been – to the you know five four three out of the last six years, Jay Wright is a stud. He's a great coach. They play Kansas in the first one. Uh, you know Kansas is a four and a half point favorite, one hundred thirty two and a half point total. The biggest thing that came out of Saturday for me was the Moore injury. You know he had that freak Achilles tear. You know it just was a it just went. You know you watched it. It was a terrible play, but it wasn't like he anybody you know, landed on him or something. And now they've got really a five-man rotation with somebody else who needs to step up. Do you think that Nova has a shot in this game? It's going to be really tough, but I think with Coach Jay Wright going up against Bill Self, they're always going to have a shot with that yes. doubt. But um, with their short rotation, I think it's going to make it a lot more difficult. As you mentioned, they really are only six deep this season. They have two guys at the end of the bench that played. Ken Palm lists them as nearly invisible. So um, those two guys between Archie Diacono, the younger brother, and uh, I think another 6'5 guy, Brian Antoine, they're going to have to see some minutes. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not they can step up and play against the the bigs of Kansas. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Abaji played well this, you know, at least in the last game. He played well, especially the second half. He hasn't done crap in the tournament. Yeah. It's been a Randy Martin show. Uh, the bigs have played well, um, but if he plays well, I don't think Nova has a chance. I, I think that the pace is important. 132 and a half seems like the right number. I don't know what your number is, but Nova's going to try to slow it down. Kansas is going to want to run, and whoever wins that battle will make sure they cover the number. I, I don't really see Nova winning the game. I just don't. Um, so I'm more. I'll probably just do a money line bet here on Kansas. The four and a half seems like. Maybe the right number. There's been talk that maybe that'll float up as the public starts betting Kansas. So maybe now I'll get the number at four and a half. They would open at three and a half, right? Or four? Uh, four. Yeah, four was the opener that I saw and then quickly moved to four and a half. I think, you know, the Justin Moore injury surely was built into the line when it came out. I had some expectation that the public might see that, you know, find the information late, even though you and I both knew that he tore his Achilles that day just based right. on the, the calf pop. But, yeah. um, you know, the line hasn't moved. I kind of expected that Kansas would catch some public money and we'd see this move a little bit. But I think that uh, in the long run, there's respect for Coach Wright and this what this Villanova team has been able to do the last several years. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough one for me on the side. I, I will tell you, though, I, make, I show some value on the over. I make it 138 and a half, and I think it's going to be a really interesting battle to see which team wins out on the pace perspective because definitely Villanova is going to want to slow it down even more so with only five guys that can really play, where Kansas is going to want to try to go up-tempo and run on them. Right. The other thing we didn't talk about is, you know, Gillespie did get hurt at the end of the Sweet 16 game. It looked like it was really bad, and he ended up playing on Saturday – but I wouldn't say he played well. I mean, he played okay. He was out there. He played yeoman effort, six points, one for six from the floor. Wasn't his normal self. I mean, after a week, should be a little better. But he's been dinged up over the course of the season, and he's critical, especially if you lose more. 
who was their second leading scorer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're going to need uh, Colin Gillespie to have a big scoring performance, I think, to keep this game close. And, um, you know, the other thing we talked about last week was their free throw shooting percentage. If they can draw Kansas in and, and get to the free throw line, certainly that will go a long way, too. Kansas actually is uh, not too great defensively in terms of their foul rate, like uh, okay. about 100 ranked. So I do think that is one advantage that Villanova could have in this game is to try to draw some fouls on the Kansas players. Yeah, 15 for 15 against uh, Houston, which was another differentiator in that close six-point win on Saturday. Okay, and then so you think there's there's value to the over. Um, you're not sure on the side. You know, like I said, I'm feeling pretty good about Kansas, but not necessarily laying the points right now. We'll see. So the second game, of course, is, you know, what everybody wants. They've, they've been wanting this for, for decades. Uh, you know, North Carolina playing Duke. It's the third time they played this year. But it's the first time they're playing in the NCAA tournament ever action. I'm sure you do that. Um, Duke is shown as a four-point favorite right now, 150, 150-and-a-half-point total. You know, i got to be honest with you, I'm excited to see it. I mean, it's kind of nice to see a different face, you know, with you know, Hubert Davis out there coaching North Carolina. It's really a new not perspective on North Carolina. It's not the same old North Carolina. You know, the Roy Williams, North Carolina was great. You had the bigs. You didn't shoot a lot of threes. You just pounded them inside. Mm-hmm. This team shoots a lot of threes. They've got big to shoot threes. Um, and Duke, you know, and I know you hated this team. And I, and I, I honestly didn't t- pay much mind to Duke either. I kind of wrote them off too. But I'm telling you, since that Michigan State game, I saw something. And, of course, Texas Tech. And this the skill of this team is really evident. Um, and, and it's very rare to see it. So I don't know. 150 and a half probably is the right number. But, I mean, there's going to be some points scored in this game, actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the first two meetings this season, both of them went way over 150. Just pulling up the game logs here. Um, mm-hmm. 175 points in the second game and 154 in the first game. Mm-hmm. So um, it's clear that they both want to run. And, you know, this one – the total is tough for me. I, I have a hard time going over such a high number in the final four, given the stakes. But I do think, though, you've seen historically once teams get, obviously, the Elite Eight, we saw it last week, there was four unders. And uh, once teams get over that hump and they make it to the final four, historically, I think you see them open up a little bit more. And uh, for that yeah. reason, I have no interest in either of these first half totals because I think that you're going to see them be a little bit more open. And uh, in this game, certainly uh, there's got to be a little bit of value to the over, but I'm not sure I can go over such a high number. Yeah, and I mean traditionally too, for the this is even bigger arena than the NBA arena, so you've got Superdome. Now Superdome is not as large as say, you know, whatever is it Banker's Life now? What's the one? Whatever. What's the one in yeah, Indiana? Lucas Indianapolis. Oil, the Colt Stadium. Lucas Oil. And then the one in uh, Houston, I mean, those are gigantic arenas where the depth perception really affects shooters, at least initially. But I think in this one, you're right. I think you know, I would probably stay away from that. But I, I don't know. I, I'm still on Duke here. I think they are going to cover this number. I, I do think that North Carolina shooting will hurt them in the long run. As, as good as they've been, they are very reliant on the three. I mean, Baycott's great inside. But they do tend to when they when they struggle, it's because they're shooting three so much and missing. And Duke is, you know, they're long and they're going to get rebounds. And you know, obviously their defense. I know you're critical of them. They figured out a way to play enough defense. And then on the offensive end, they don't rely all on the three. They they, they shoot all over the place, a three inside, outside. So I do like Duke. I don't know about I don't know about the total, but yeah, 
I'll leave that to you. I, I'm passing on the total as well, but I also bet on Duke already minus four. And I, I think mm-hmm. you and I texted a little bit about it. The Duke defense actually showed up last weekend in both games. They were pretty good against Texas Tech. And then uh, Coach K went to that zone, which really threw off Texas Tech rhythm there late in the game. And I thought that was actually yep. kind of a brilliant move after we razzed on him for so long for his in-game coaching ability. But, I mean, if Duke shows up with a defense like that again this weekend, I think they're going to easily cut down the nets. Um, yeah. In this game, though, I'm yeah. with you. I like Duke minus four. Right. So what? let's just throw out some hypotheticals. What are your spreads if, if Duke plays Kansas? That's our most likely scenario. I actually show Kansas as the better team. I don't think that's going to be the number. I saw in the no. blog this morning I... that you think it's going to be Duke two and a half, and I think that's probably good right on yeah i mean i just made that up but i kind of figure that way i figure if they both win duke's on a roll but you're right kansas on paper is a better team which is interesting will the books open at the ken palm number no, <laughs> no way right uh so they're actually not going to get lazy on the last game of the year um but yeah if i see it a little bit depressed i mean i'll, I'll jump on it you know i mean two and a half still not bad but um and then what about a total? That's got to be a moderate total, right? It won't be as high as 150, but maybe it's 146. Yeah. Good. So that was just out of the top of my head, actually. It took me all season to get some good good numbers there. What about some of these alt situations? Um, North Carolina, I mean, I think the least likely scenario is North Carolina uh, Nova, right? So. Yeah, agree. Um, but North Carolina, Kansas, I mean, that's got to be a pretty – Kansas be favored pretty well in that game, right? Yeah, four and a half points, it looks like. Um, total 146, similarly. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it's going to be Kansas and Duke. I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier. I, you know, of, of the two games, do you think that Duke is more vulnerable than uh, Kansas? Yeah, I do. I think North Carolina has the ability. They have a very high ceiling. I wrote in the article today. You know, they can, I mean, if Love gets hot, and I mean, all of those guys can get hot. You know, Baycott can play great inside, and you've got, you know, what's his name, Manic, who can shoot the rock, too. You've got some guys who can really fill it up. You never know. I mean, they can get hot and, and take it off. And then, you know, we can see what Duke has done twice in big games. They've they, So far, they've not done this. But when they faced North Carolina at home in Coach K's finale, they crumbled. They, they also crumbled in the ACC tournament. Uh, in the title game. So that's the yep. wild card. It's it's more of an emotional handicap. But it's not like North Carolina, any of these guys in North Carolina have been there either. So it's, of the teams here, the Nova group is probably the most, even though, I don't know, if Gillespie was on the Final Four team the last guy, in 2018? Yeah, yeah, he, he played in that. Yeah, but for the most part, everybody's new to the, the big dance, and I just think Nova doesn't have enough juice to make it with the injuries. So... It's not experience about who's going to play the best, and so far I think Duke will. They're vulnerable, but I think they'll come on top. And you, who do you like in the championship then? Assuming like, Kansas Duke. I like Duke. I mean, I, I think okay. Duke's going to win. I just look. Kansas played really well in the second half against Miami. That they showed me their best basketball, so I saw something from them. But I, I, you know, I know we were. I was giving you a hard time because I'll call this guy out. He's telling me I was going to be a Miami Arkansas final or whatever. <laughs> Um, busting his balls because it's like what? I mean, I get it. It probably was a high, uh, good plus money to see that matchup. But, but I mean, Kansas 
they hadn't played that well in the tournament yet. And Miami, as good as they played, they're small, and they don't really – their defense is okay, you know? Yeah. I just think that Duke, because of the NBA talent on their team, they just have another level than Kansas, right? So if they play their potential, they're going to win. But that doesn't mean they're going to win. We've seen it many times before. So, I mean, I.e. I like I, the – which team? The, the Frank Kaminsky-Wisconsin uh, team, which was very good. But losing to that Kentucky team that probably should have won, you know, and that was a great team. Hey, yeah. couldn't get it done. I think I'll be uh, betting on Kansas in that game, especially <laughs> if they're an underdog. I, I show Kansas is the better team, and I talked about it. I think that eventually Duke's defense is going to get them beat, despite how well they played last week. Right. Now, do you have any pools? I know you're probably out of the player pool like me, but um, pools or – any, what's your Calcutta look like now? Are you guys out 100%? Toast. Yeah, we had Arizona as our horse, mm-hmm. so we are out. Right, right. I mean, it's tough. It's 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 been one of those years, even though these teams, if you look at it now, you're like, oh, yeah, these teams are pretty good. I mean, North Carolina is probably the surprise of this group from if we listen to us all year, yeah. they'd be the surprise. But definitely, I think in general, when you look at the grouping, you're like, oh, any of these teams, you know, Blue Blood teams, they've been there before. So it's not a shock. It's just the way we kind of handicap the season. And not that Ken Palm completely failed us, but it hasn't done great. No, <laughs> not at all. The metrics have not uh, picked winners this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shock. But, you know, that happens sometimes. And I think that and maybe we can talk about that next year in the preseason, like the pregame, like the transfer portal has just blown yeah. up um, what is conventional, I think, because everybody can – can pick out players that they never had before. And it, it, it does change over the course of the season because of the gelling of those transfers with the existing recruits. So That's a good point. Teams can come a long way from day one of the season to March because there are so many new players. I think I read this morning that there's over a 1,000 players in the transfer portal already as of today. And all of Murray State's team is in the transfer portal. Really? Yeah. The whole team. That's weird. Well, they, that's weird. Well, I guess they did show out for the most part. You know, they're going to go obviously to the Missouri Valley. Maybe they don't like that conference. Your guy, Andre Corbello, in the transfer portal yeah. will not be, uh, you know, Illinois. So, I mean, it's, it gives the freedom of movement that you don't see in any, is it the same in college football? I guess it is, right? The transfer portal? I don't know. I'm not sure. Good question. But, I mean, in the end, it, it levels the field. I mean, it used to be where coaches could just bug out on you in two seconds, and now the players can. So it's got to be tough um, for a lot of these coaches <laughs> because they're developing talent, putting together teams, and it's like a different team every every year. Um, so it's a little bit more like the one-and-dones, but you have experienced players. So I don't know. It's been It's been interesting. Definitely. Can't wait for this Final Four and the penultimate game Monday night. That's right. I'll be checking it out. I'll be checking it out. Uh, okay, well, let's get into golf. Uh, you've got the, the Valero Texas Open uh, coming in, and you laid off the match play, you said, last week, right? Yeah, stayed away last week. Scotty Scheffler actually got another victory. Did. I think that's like four out of the last six weeks now that he's won a tournament, so he is red hot. But him and a lot of other golfers are taking this week off because, as you know, the Masters is next week. Right. This is kind of just like an odd little tournament that a lot of folks just sit out and go on their way to Georgia. 
But there are uh, five of the top 20 playing this week. Rory McIlroy, Hideki is back after a couple of weeks off. Mm-hmm. Bryson DeChambeau is playing, Jordan Spieth, and Abe Answer. So, so a couple names. Yeah, a little tune-up for those guys. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think many of them are using this kind of just like that because Hideki's been out injured the last couple of weeks. Right. It's probably getting out there just to warm up before next week and uh, defending his Masters title. And then uh, Jordan Spieth, I think, is a native Texan, and, and so is Answer. So uh, the course is not super difficult, but there are a lot of trees that line the fairways, and uh, it places an emphasis on driving accuracy as well as some heavy winds that usually pop up in the Austin or San Antonio area rather. And uh, so I was looking at guys who are pretty accurate off the tee mm-hmm. and um, I didn't put it on here, but I have one outright play this week. His yep. name is Chris Kirk and he has been a player that has been playing very well this early season, but has yet to get into the win column. And I bet him at 34 to one at FanDuel. There you go. There you go. 34 to 1 is a nice payout. So these matchups you like, Matsuyama coming back. Um, mm-hmm. Roy. Don't worry. You know, just so you know, action, I have a, not a hatred for McElroy, but I don't trust him um, at all. Oh, yeah. His golf game or uh, him as a human being? Well, I don't know him as a person. <laughs> I just don't trust him to win another major, like ever. So uh, I'll always bet against him. So good job, plus 145 on that one. And one of our uh, the podcast favorites, Johnny Vegas. That's right. Minus 110 again, Matt. Cooch or the Cooch. Um, why did you uh, target these guys? Because of the accuracy? Yeah, yeah. Both of them very accurate off the tee. Johnny Vegas, you know, I, I think I've bet on him several times on this podcast this season. He's really showing well in the model that I use. And uh, Matt Kuchar, on the flip side, has not been playing well lately. He does have pretty good course history here in San Antonio. So that is one thing on the Kuchar side. But I think this is a week that Vegas shows up. Vegas is also playing for a spot in the Masters. There are several guys in this tournament who need to win to make it to Augusta next week, and Vegas is one of them. Wow, so they have to win the tournament outright. They can't be a top-10 finish. Interesting. I believe that's right, yeah. Well, there you go. High motivation. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. Um, I won't be betting on golf. Maybe, maybe the Masters. We'll talk about it next week. All right. But, um, yeah. So for our final episode next week, we'll recap – the college basketball situation over the weekend, final four in the championship, and then a little master's preview. Sound good? Definitely. Definitely. And then we'll uh, close out for the year and, you know, action's going to be, you know, wakeboarding or whatever he does on that boat of his and, or is it just skiing? Just skiing? Well, uh, no, we're going to do some wakeboarding this year. We need to find a third to uh, go out with us, but we've got a couple of recruits in the works. Okay. Okay. You're, you're working the, Working the phones, uh, you know, combing the lakes, the lake shores, just seeing what they're right. doing. Random guys walking around with a board on their shoulder, don't have a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I mean, this weekend, uh, and I guess, you know, we have so many listeners, so they're all, you're all welcome to the Four Shadows this weekend on Saturday to watch the nice. four with me. And we've got about 25-ish to 30 people coming this year, so it's pretty exciting. It's the first time we've done it in... I guess it's like three years. I had, I guess I had people watch the final four last year, but it was a little smaller crew, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do a full normal blowout. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll have some, you know, got some wings, quesadillas, stuff like that. It'll be a good time. And, you know, everybody will be ready for us. Matt and Rob are ready. So looking for, how about the side action marquee? Is that coming back up this weekend? I gotta, I gotta push for it again. I seen it. It, got, it came down action. I was disappointed. Uh, but I will, I will push. Hey buddy, come on. 
I'm bringing in 30 people. Let's go. We're, th- we're a third of the bar. Um, there you go. Get some volleyball going too this weekend. And then, um, you know, just so everybody who's, you know, follows us closely, the, the battle for Kevin's love is coming back this summer. There's already discussions in the works, you know, four months out, who's going to, how it's going to work. And so I'm pretty excited that we're going to make that an annual event on the volleyball uh, calendar. Nice. I'm sure there'll be odds, you know, at least at Rivers on that for sure. All right. Well, follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on Instagram, and follow me at um, uh, Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Well, good luck this weekend. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry five and district four by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org license under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0